Please turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. We're going to begin there today. And we're talking about the armor of God. This all began in verse 10, where the Apostle Paul is writing to the Ephesian church, and he says, Finally, my brethren. And remember again, when he said finally, he's saying this is of the utmost importance. Amen. And we're going to realize why this is so important as we go along. He says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Notice we are to be strong in Him and in the power of His might. You know, sometimes we try to be strong in ourselves. You know, people, when you're going through something, people say, Now, be strong, be strong. And there's only so far you can go and be strong. Do you hear what I'm saying? What we need to do is learn to be strong in the Lord. Amen. You know, some days, even though you're feeling weak, they say, are you okay? Just say, yes, I'm strong in the Lord. They'll get it. (laughs) Okay? It means you're struggling, but there's the Lord. Amen. And so we need to learn to do that. We need to learn to be strong by faith in God. Alright? In the Lord. And notice, and the power of His might. See, we're not just to be strong in the Lord, but there is power available as well. So he says here again, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. Verse 11, Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Remember again, that this armor is put on for life. Amen? You know, we're not to take it off and put it back on. We need to leave it on. And you're going to understand why we need to leave this stuff on. For example, the first thing that we're talking about, the belt of truth. When do you take truth off? You better not ever take it off. Are you all here? Okay, so you need to understand that these aren't things that, you know, we just sort of put on. And you know, okay, so we're going out now, so we better be truthful. But at home we can lie like a dog. I don't know how dogs lie, but anyway, okay. <laughs> but you know what I'm trying to say. These are things you don't take off. These are things that stay on. Amen. You need your faith, your shield of faith all the time. Anyway, we're getting ahead. Let's get back to this. So again, he says you put on, and the idea being put it on and leave it on. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Now, you know, we're getting to understand more and more what those wiles are. I think we all have stories about the wiles of the devil. We all have stories about the way he comes and attacks us. Amen? But always remember, God has so many more solutions. Remember, God was here before the devil. The solution was here before the problem ever came. Amen? And we need to know that. We need to understand that. And so again, he says that you may be able to stand. You have the armor of God, so you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Verse 12, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Now notice again, he's, first of all, he begins by saying, our fight isn't in this realm. So we need to stop fighting in this realm. We need to be careful who we're fighting with in this realm. Because this is the temporary realm. The thing that is pulling all the strings is in another realm. Did you get that? Okay, and so we need to be careful that we are attacking the source of where things are coming from, the root of things, rather than just the branches and the leaves. Remember when Jesus cursed the fig tree? It started to die from the roots. And that's the place where we're really looking to attack the enemy at. 
Okay, right in the, at the source and the roots. And so this is why he brings this out and he says, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against, now he lists things here. He says, principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Now we dealt with all of those before, but can I just say there's a vast array of things that are out there that are coming against mankind, that are coming against literally the body of Christ. Alright, now it wants to destroy all of mankind, but we're a problem. We're teaching men how to get out of their situation. So he needs to attack the source. We're it. That's the reason why you know, we need to pray for people that are in ministry and doing ministry. Because they will get attacked more, because they are causing problems to the kingdom of darkness. Jesus caused that kingdom all kinds of problems. <laughs> Amen. And you know, again in 1 John 3 8, that was the reason that he was manifest, that he might destroy the works of the devil. And then he said, You go keep doing the same thing. And we still need to do that. We're still not doing it the way we should. Hell seems to be plundering the body of Christ more than the other way around. But the day is coming. <laughs> okay, you're here, you're learning. Amen. That's the reason why we're putting it on the web as well. It's available to everyone. But you know, what I've found is, it's really interesting. This is a spiritual battle we're in. And even though there are things available, it is incredible how demonic influences will come and stop people from actually just receiving what is there for free. You ask the question, why? Because we are fighting a spiritual force. This, this verse tells us who we're fighting. These are the things that array themselves against this word getting out to everybody. That's the reason why God tells us to pray over everything. Because it then opens the door for God's angels to start having an influence. And for His angels going out there and doing what is necessary so that people actually receive this. Amen? Moving on. So again, those are all the things that are arrayed against us, against the Word, against people receiving the Word. And he says, therefore, verse 13, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, having done all to stand. Okay, so remember again, we talked about the evil day being two things. There are two references here. First reference is, ever since the fall, the days haven't been so good. We're not living in paradise anymore. Can we get an amen on that one? Okay, alright. But the other thing also is when bad things happen. Now, they don't happen necessarily every day. I pray they don't happen every day to you. Okay, that would be a terrible life. Alright, but you know those times and those seasons, can I use that word? Seasons that come in your life that get difficult. Understand it's a season, it's not forever. Pause for effect. <laughs> okay, sometimes we think it's forever and we freak out. Alright, listen, everything is seasonal. Like the verse says, this too shall pass away. Okay, alright? Good or bad, things will move on in time. Nothing stays the same. Okay, and you need to know that. So you need to understand here. So he says again, that we need the armor, so we can withstand in that evil day, whatever comes our way, whatever calamities and whatever problems that we're facing, that we will have the strength to stand and fight and win. I hear a lot of Christians fighting, and they're fighting, and they're fighting, and they're fighting, and they're fighting, and that's... Next time you see, they're dead. No, <laughs> no it, it, just, it just seems like a never-ending fight with no victory. Remember again, I'm talking as opposed to a season. 
Now, you might be fighting in a season, and that might be a heck of a season, okay? And you just add it and add it and add it. But I tell you, the season will come to an end. My concern is for people that that's all they have the whole of their life. Can I just take Jesus as an example? He had opposition. As soon as he started ministry, he had opposition. Alright, so all of those ministry years, he had opposition. But you need to see the other side. He was raising the dead. He was healing the sick. He was casting out demons. I mean, he was just doing whatever it took to just wipe the devil off the planet. We need to grow in faith. As we grow in faith, more things will become possible. When we have faith that is God's faith in its ultimate form, all things will be possible. We need to know that. So our faith determines what results we're getting. And don't be upset by that. Don't be discouraged by that. At least you're making an effort. Amen? So, he goes on to say now, verse 14. Having done all to stand, he says, stand. And then he says, stand therefore. So he's saying, you know what? Don't ever quit your standing. Don't ever back off. And the stance here is a stance that says, All right, you want a piece of this? Come on. You need to have that look in your eye, like, you know, this is a bad decision you're making, devil. This is a bad career move for you. You don't want to mess with this ever. I'll wait for when he's bad. (laughs) Then it won't happen. Because when I'm weak, the power of God is strong in me. Have a rest. And once you're done, get up and keep going. The idea is don't quit. Take a break, but don't quit. Okay, we can't have everlasting breaks. So he says here, stand therefore having girded your waist with truth. Alright, so now we're on to truth and we're talking about truth. Remember again that this is two different kinds of truth. The first truth is the word of God, the truth of the word of God. Amen. Remember Jesus said, I am the way, the truth and the life. Alright, you're looking for truth, it's Jesus. Everything he represented. Now who was Jesus? The Word of God. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. He is truth. God's Word is truth. And then he spoke the truth. So it was a truth that was not only absolute. He is the truth. And what he spoke was the truth. Amen. So we looked last time at... The truth of God's word. But today what I want to do is go on and look at the truth that, as William Hendrickson puts it, sincerity of mind and heart, the removal of all guile and hypocrisy. This is when you take truth and live it out. So, let me talk to you about this. Any untruth in us compromises our strength, our stance. Do you know why? Because the enemy will come and say, Ah, you know this isn't right. And now you're trying to preach to somebody else when you know there's stuff in you that ain't right. You start to then waver and you get to the place where you kind of go, it is important that we don't compromise what's inside of us. Remember that it is your heart that moves the mountains. Remember the faith is in the heart. That's the thing that moves the mountains. If you lie to yourself and if you're lying on the inside then that's going to compromise the very thing that gives you the power to move the mountain. Do you get that? And a lot of people don't realize that. One commentator says that Paul's point is that truthful character, along with the knowledge of the truth, holds one together in the fight. Can I say that again? 
truthful character. You being in the position where you always speak the truth. Now, I, I spoke to you about this before. You need to know when to say what. And, you know, we, we remember Rahab and the spies. That was not a time to say, Oh yeah, they're hiding in the back there. But, you know, okay? You know, she lied to protect God's people. I told you that had happened in, in, in World War II as well. And, you know, with the Nazis and the Jews and everything. And people were lying through their teeth to save people. But you know what the truth was? The truth was, they knew that there was a higher truth that said what was happening was wrong and not to help. The truth said, thou shalt not shed innocent blood. That's murder. Thou shalt do no murder. Okay? Do you hear me? That truth overrode the, oh, it's the law to tell, tell us if that person's there or that person's there. No, if you're going to kill him, no. I'm governed by a higher truth. Amen? When I die, that is the judge I'm going to face. Amen? I want to make sure that I tell him, I lied to protect your people. And God won't say, why did you do that? Slap, no. <laughs> that will never happen. You know, you probably get a well done, thou good and faithful servant. Amen. Alright, so, taking all that into consideration, it is truth which gives us ease and freedom of movement. When you are following God's instructions, when you are doing whatever it is you are doing to please God, not man, that's the freedom, that's the truth we're talking about. Not being blunt. You know, you tell them, well, well this is the truth, isn't it? Ugh. That kind of truth we don't need. Because there's a truth behind that that's not good. The truth that you want to hurt people with the truth. Do you know, it is one of the sins that God hates. It's not just a lying tongue, but a person that causes strife among brethren. Getting back to this. So it is truth which gives us ease and freedom of movement. Freedom with ourselves, freedom with our neighbors, freedom with God. Lack of perfect sincerity hampers us at every turn. In the context of what we're talking about. Alright? We don't understand so much of the time why we are hindered in doing what God asks us to do. Because there are things in our heart and in our life that we are just covering and veiling and kind of going, oh, nobody wants to see that. And, you know, all those things. And when you're coming to a place where you need to move a mountain, you can't have something in you that is getting in the way of that. But we need to understand that in our imperfection, we can still reach out to a perfect God and have perfect results. As long as we are honest before God and tell Him, we have a problem, we need to deal with this, you need to help us, now let's get on with what we need to do. Because I don't want me dealing with my little problem to get in the way of God what you need me to do to help somebody else. Because they may not be alive three years from now when you fix your problem. Are you all here? Amen? So you know, we need to understand that as well. God isn't, isn't saying, now you better be perfect before I can work through you. That's not this. Sincerity is to be transparent before God. Sincerity is to go to God and say, I got problems, man, but I know you need to use me. And you know, it is a harder thing. It is a harder thing for somebody that is struggling with certain sins in their life 
to still say, God, use me and let me do my very best in blessing someone else. That's hard, man, because you've got all kinds of devils attacking you then. Amen? It is easier for a person that has that, had a good life and grew up correctly and got taught all the right things and was in a good place where they could just minister without any hindrances. It is more difficult when you know, you've had not so great a life, dealing with all kinds of things, but you're say, still saying, God, use me. Understand that He just needs you to be honest and open and He will use you just like the guy that never sinned. Hallelujah. Amen. And your reward will be great. Because you've had more to deal with. Okay. So that's what we're talking about. Whenever you find something in there that is just not right, confess it, acknowledge it before God. First John 1.9. It is one of the strongest, most powerful scriptures because it just stops the enemy at every turn. Remember what the verse says. If we confess, or the actual word means acknowledge, our sin, his faith, you know, because he knows it, okay? You don't have to confess. He doesn't go, oh, well, oh, I didn't know about that, okay? Acknowledge means he knows, you know, he knows, okay? We all know. So you just need to acknowledge the thing. He's faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, which means you become righteous. Amen. So you go into the fight righteous. That's the reason the Apostle Paul said earlier on in Ephesians, the book of Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 25, Therefore putting away lying, let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. See, lying is something we need to put away. Now, this is again talking about lying that suits yourself. This is not lying to protect someone, this is just lying for yourself. So you can get further. Alright, and that's why he says that each one of you speak truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. He's bringing out the fact that when we lie to one of ours, okay, a part of the body of Christ, we are literally lying to ourselves. Because we are members of the same body. Jesus said, if you've done it to the least one of these, you've done it to me. So if you're lying to each other, then you are lying to him. Don't lie to him. It's no good. Amen? Remember, we're there to please Him. It is when we walk in this kind of truth that we are then armed with a clear conscience which makes it possible to unflinchingly face the enemy. And why the Apostle Paul said in 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 19, Cling tightly to your faith in Christ and always keep your conscience clear. Listen now. For some people have deliberately violated their conscience as a result... Their faith has been shipwrecked. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. This is what I was talking about before. We don't realize the effect that this has on our faith. Remember again, without faith it is impossible to please God. So if we're doing anything to get in the way of our faith, then we are getting into a place where we're not pleasing God anymore. And notice, it says that their faith has been shipwrecked, which means they had faith, but it ran into trouble. So it's not like they didn't have faith, they just wrecked their faith. So don't lie, don't wreck your faith. That's the whole message. No. <laughs> <All right. laughs> 
<laughs> so this shows us how truth, in fact, impacts your shield of faith, which is what is going to be needed to quench all the fiery darts, arrows, missiles of the enemy. It depends on what translation you have. This brings us to another area of truth with respect to spiritual warfare, and that is our true intentions when it comes to engaging the enemy. We must ask and answer the question in all honesty, am I sincere about this spiritual warfare? So we're talking about a different area of truth now, being truthful with yourself about the fight that you're in. Are you willing to engage? We need to be honest within ourselves before we take this fight on. The thing is, it's already fighting. It's not that whether you want to fight or not, you're already in a war. The Apostle Paul didn't say now, you know, if you take on the devil, then we have to deal with spiritualities and powers and nurses and blah, 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 blah. No, he, he just said, hey, dude, this is a thing. This is happening whether you like it or not. We're having to deal with these things. Jesus came to die so that we can deal with them successfully, victoriously. So we don't have to lose the fight for a change. That's the reason why, you know, we, we really need to ask ourselves the question, are we willing to do this now? You're already there, but are you willing to stand up and fight? Okay, another question. Do I really want to fight the enemy and all of his hosts? Am I willing to stand my ground regardless of what comes my way? That's a good question. Am I willing to stand my ground regardless of what comes my way? Okay, you may not be there yet, but can we work towards that? Amen? Amen. Okay. Psalm 51 and verse 6. It says, Behold, you desire truth in, your, in the inward parts, and in the hidden part you will make me to know wisdom. The Living Translation, the New Living Translation, I like it better. It says, You desire honesty from the heart. You desire honesty. This is between you and God, okay? So you can teach me to be wise in my inmost being. When we're honest, God can speak to us. When God speaks to us, we receive wisdom. If ever you are avoiding a subject with God, do you know what you're avoiding? Wisdom. Just be honest. He knows. Like he's going to fall off the throne when you tell him what happened. Okay? He doesn't sit there and go, oh, I'm so disappointed. I had no idea. No, those are people. This is God. He is there all the time. Remember omnipresent. Okay? He knows everything that is going on in your life. He just needs you to go, I'm sorry. He goes, not a problem. That's what the cross is all about. So when you say sorry, I won't say no. <laughs> okay? He says yes. It's done. Move on. And then he'll give you the wisdom to move on. See, don't ever walk away after being forgiven. Don't just walk away. Stay for a little bit longer. Because he'll say now, for you not to do this next time, know this. Hebrews tells us that his word is living it is powerful. I think it's Hebrews 4.12. Sharper than any two-edged sword. But what I want to do is focus on the life that is in that word. When God speaks something into you, instead of you just trying to will something and try to do something out of your own will, a power is imparted into you. And you just go, whoa! I, you know, I knew that, but I could never do it. Now, I know it. And I've got power to do it. It's something inside that just gives you that strength and you think, oh, 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 something changed. That power will be given so that you can overcome this and form a good habit. But after that, it's up to you to keep that. Because once you're over that little bump, don't go back to it. 
It'll only be in your head now. It won't have power anymore. It'll only be a suggestion after that. Did you get that? I'm, I'm helping you out here, okay? <laughs> okay? People are so dumb sometimes, you know. They'll, they'll have the power to quit something. And they will quit it. And they'll get past it. And the thought will come in their head. Not the, the desire, not an urge. Just a thought. And you know, sometimes they think, well, you know, I haven't done that for so long. I haven't smoked or whatever for so long. I wonder what it's... Don't, don't, don't. No. Big N-O. Big cross. Don't go there. Do you hear me? It's in your head. It's not, it's not a desire. It's not making you sweat. It's just in your head. Okay? Casting down every imagination and high thing that exalts itself. No. Amen. Alright, let me finish this. Honesty. You need to know whether you are ready to go into this fight. You need to keep a clear conscience, a clear heart. You know, in Judges, in the Old Testament, we have an account in Judges chapter 7, where the Lord instructs Gideon to make sure that all that are going to battle are committed. And in an effort to trim the numbers, okay, it says in Judges chapter 7 verses 2 and 3, the Lord said to Gideon, you have too many warriors with you. If I let all of you fight the Midianites, the Israelites will boast to me that they saved themselves by their own strength. Therefore, tell the people, whoever is timid or afraid may leave and go home. 22,000 of them went home. Leaving only 10,000 who were willing to fight. Why does he do that? Bad attitudes get transferred. You can't have fear in the camp. Alright? When... You, <laughs> When you are fighting a battle, don't have people around you that go, Are you sure this is going to work? I don't think this is going to work. Somebody else did this and they died. Oh, go home. I don't need your kind of help. <laughs> okay? I need people that will stand and say, Yep, let's do this. Are the odds really bad? Uh-huh. Is there a possibility we're not going to make it out of alive? Uh-huh. Okay, good, let's go. That's who you want. Amen. <laughs> do you get this? Now, Although God further reduced the number in the next verses, it's important to understand again that honesty is essential if this war is going to be won. In fact, William Hendrickson writes, In this battle against Satan and his armies, there is no room for Demas. Remember, this is the guy that deserted Paul in the mission field? You know, because he liked the things of the world and he just took off. Sincerity is a mighty weapon, and this not only defensively. All other things being equal, the sincere person is more likely to be a blessing to all those with whom he comes into contact with than is a hypocrite. Added to this, Arkent Hughes says, When you are filled with God's truth and living it, you will have a good conscience, and having that, you can face anything especially the accuser of the brethren. Revelation 12.10. Okay, because that's his greatest weapon is to accuse you and say what makes you think that God would ever use you, work through you, blah, blah, blah. He just keeps at you and at you. That's the reason why I said get rid of anything. If, if he ever comes and accuses you, just do this. Just say, one moment please. Turn around and go, oh God, I'm so sorry. I forgot about that one. <laughs> okay? It's, just say, thank you, Lord. I believe and receive your forgiveness right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for reminding me, devil. All right, let's keep going. Got that out of the way now. There's nothing in the way. Make him regret he ever opened his mouth. Amen? <laughs> this is the, the incredible position that we are in because of what Jesus did. 
So we can now better understand why the Apostle Paul began the list of armor with the belt of truth. He was well aware from experience of its importance. And in watching the Roman soldiers who were without equal in war at the time, all right, that we should do the same. And that is, tighten our belt of truth in order to ready ourselves for battle. He again recognized how this not only firmly fixed the soldier's sword in place, but everything else in place as well. And why one commentator said without it, he or she would be powerless in battle. And goes on to add that it is truth that holds the spiritual armor in place and safeguards against deadly entanglements. Amen? Amen. Let's have every head bowed, every eye closed. Hallelujah. Well, Father, we thank you today for your word. And we thank you, Father, that we understand how important it is to be truthful, to be honest in all of our dealings with you. We need to have a clear line of communication with you. And we need to know, Father, that everything that we do pleases you. And if there's anything that is in us that needs to be dealt with, well, Father, it only takes a moment in time to say sorry and for us to receive forgiveness, cleansing, and restoration back to a perfect place. And I thank you today, right now, Father, if there is anything that is getting in the way of anyone right now, for the things that they are believing God for, the things that they are taking their stand on, fighting the good fight, believing and receiving, thank you, Father. If there is anything getting in the way of that right now, Father, it is just confessed, released, gotten rid of. That we can stand before you perfect, regardless of how many mistakes we make. And that's the miracle. Hallelujah. That's the blessing. And we receive that right now in Jesus' name. Amen.